Hey everyone, this is Caitlin Yeager with Missouri Humanities. Join us as we highlight the uniqueness of Missouri's small towns and showcase the bigger picture of what small town America really is by bringing you to communities across the state and listening to their stories of why they should not be overlooked, overshadowed, or underappreciated. We are not a flyover state. We are the heart of America. From somewhere in the show me state, this is Small Town Showcase. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. My name is Caitlin Yeager, the Director of Heritage Programs for Missouri Humanities. We are here uh, in Southeast Missouri in Marble Hill in Bollinger County with some wonderful people that I'd love to introduce you to. My name is Sharon Hopkins and I am a writer and I'm also an artist. I'm retired from a professional life where I had a business here in Marble Hill. I'm Trey Wigginton. I'm the Mayor of Marble Hill, Missouri. I'm Becky Wigginton. I am the president of the Bollinger County Chamber of Commerce, and I'm married to the mayor. I'm Bill Hopkins. Uh, I'm married to Sharon, and we write novels, and I'm retired as a judge. I'd love to paint a picture of Marble Hill, um, especially since it's, it might be a town that people haven't heard of before. Um, so whoever wants to start us off, um, paint us a picture of Marble Hill. Where in Missouri is it? How big is the community or the county? Um, what are some landmarks to help people visualize where we are in the state? What's the landscape environment like? You know, let people visualize where we are. I'll go with that. And uh, this is Bill, and thank you, Caitlin, for being here. Uh, I love growing up here, and one of the most uh, scenic areas is where the what we call the old college. It's on top of a big hill, and you can just see forever. And uh, it's great, it's hilly, lots of trees, and it's a great place to grow up. I would tell them that we're uh, west of Cape Girardeau, if they know where that is, perhaps, uh, what, 30, 40 miles, whatever. Or you could say that uh, if you were coming from the south, you would have Highway 67, which I believe goes from Little Rock up to Columbia, Missouri, mm -hmm. I think, around in that area. Yeah. Or if you go down southeast, you hit the flatlands and uh, it's drained swamp and it grows cotton and corn and soybeans. If I'm giving directions to people, I always tell them we're 30 minutes from any interstate because it's a 30-minute drive to either Perryville or Cape Chirado. Um We're two hours south of uh, St. Louis, and if you're going to describe it, it's a town that will surprise you. We'll surprise you with what we have, um, whether it's views. We're um, beautiful year-round because of all the trees and all the building structures that are still standing. And then it's hills everywhere, like every point of view you can see from a hill or you can see the, something on top of the hill. We have a lot of great hiking opportunities. Um, you're, you're not going to be bored around Marble Hill if you like getting out into nature because there's a lot of opportunity within 30 minutes or less. Well, I would say Marble Hill is centrally located about 10 miles south of Scopus. That should really <laughs> tell us where we 10 are. 10 miles south of Scopus and 10 miles north of Zalma. <laughs> you can put them right I in mean, the middle. That, that's the crossroads of the universe. Well, whenever you, whenever you drive in Highway 34 from Jackson, it looks like all roads lead to Scopus yeah. because you've got you've got about three ways to get to Scopus on Highway 34, and that's right, that's right. And the population of that area is growing by leaps and bounds because of the uh, residential homes they've got up there. Very, it's Very growing. True. It's a growing area. So tell us a little bit about the history of the town. Um, what are some of the notable things that have happened in the area um, or major people, major events, major places? Um, just a little bit of background to this community. Well, I sold real estate for a long time in this area and I was um, out in uh, Glen Allen and found that grave where there was a uh, Union soldier's grave buried there and it uh, 
it's on private property but it's interesting to note that that grave was was there in the first place and it was very well maintained and it it brings to mind the um, connection at how Marble Hill and this whole area was so strongly influenced by the North and by the South during the Civil War and there's a lot of that history in the area. We have uh, um, different people who have delved into that and written books about uh, the participation that the area has had within the Civil War. So that, that's something pretty notable. Most of my relatives came on both sides came from Wayne County uh, and one side of my family fought for the South and the other side fought for the North and we didn't talk much about the war when I was a little bitty kid and I was just fascinated with all the, the fighting and nastiness that went on. It's interesting. Missouri was such a divided state during the Civil War, especially, you know, you learn about it in the big cities and, you know, you you learn the, the general history, but then you get into the rural communities and you hear how that history is so rooted in that community. You know, you're talking about how your own family at one point was divided. And, and that that's true for Missouri. It's a, it's a very uh, brother-against-brother state uh, through the Civil War. I'm, I'm not American. I'm Canadian by birth, American by choice. And uh, when I started studying about the Civil War, I, I was fascinated with Missouri being involved the way it was. And, and f I could just imagine families against families and brothers against brothers, as they would say. It was kind of horrifying, but just so interesting. We had a, I'm sorry. Uh, we had a uh, problem on the courthouse, uh, one of the courthouses in Cape over uh, Civil War memorials and Dr. Frank Nickel who is a uh, retired historian at SEMO and he's just he could just talk forever and he's so interesting but he pointed out one time at one of his speeches he said you go through Missouri, Kentucky, Virginia and South it's still a problem and people up in Ohio are uh, Alaska or someplace, they go their whole lives and never even heard of the Civil War. But around here, it's it's part of our local history. We had a we had a family killed by Union soldiers and stuffed into a, a well, and uh, we have local historians that that's what they all all do the research on. So what are some other um, stories or sites um, that help preserve the history of Marble Hill? You know, things that are, are stories unique to Marble Hill. You, you mentioned the museum. We saw the Massey House, Massey House, Massey right, House. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, earlier today. So these are examples of, of very important parts of Marble Hill's history. So talk a little bit about the stories of the places that you guys have chosen to preserve here and their place in the history of Marble Hill. Well, you probably have uh, some background today. You probably experienced the, the dinosaur uh, up at the uh, museum, but that I was just reading recently how that was discovered. And it's amazing to think that those, uh, those dinosaurs were here, and we have them. We have them at our museum. And a lot of people around the area, even close by, don't realize that we have that that dinosaur museum, other things in the museum as well too, but that we have the, the Missouri dinosaur and in certain times, <clears throat> pardon me, you can even go to the site. I've been out there and, and where the dig actually is on Ollie Conister's old farm out there and it's amazing because when I was out there uh, there's steps uh, chunked out of the rock and you walk down the steps and they were saying now you can just look down there and see fossils. There's all kinds of fossils just laying there, and I find that completely just fascinating, that right here in our little community, we have that. That's the last thing I expected when I moved to, to Marble Hill, Bollinger County, to be able to go to a dinosaur dig. I mean, you just you don't hear you just about don't that. Have those. That's a unique dinosaur. Oh, yeah, too. It's, yeah, it's unique to this area, to this definitely. Area. It's unique anywhere. 
We also had the Trail of Tears to go through here, and Eva Dunn, if she has spoken, mm -hmm. she's done a lot of research. And there was a house on top of a hill, what we call Old Lutesville, that uh, was built right around that time, and later on somebody built over it, and it wasn't until just fairly recently that people that we didn't realize had lived in a, uh, a log house that had been covered over. And that, that happens a lot in Cape Girardeau and old, old, old towns. But uh, Eva says, and I believe her, that the Trail of Tears went by that house mm -hmm. somehow. And it may have been a supply depot or something, who knows. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's just magnificent. That's that, more history here, though. That I mean, I'm sorry that it happened. It was horrible. But uh, it was interesting that we have it. That was, that was something else that I didn't realize until I had been elected to the Board of Aldermen and the librarian, Eva Dunn, came by um, and gave a presentation on it during the board meeting that... It's just not something you think about. Yes, we right. do have the Trail of Tears State Park close by, but you, you don't think about that event in history coming through, quite possibly coming through where we have a couple of our biggest businesses in town. It was always tales when I was growing up, stories that grandparents told that there's Indian graves you know, buried around different places yeah. from the Trail of Tears, but it was never marked off until she brought that project in, and it had to. I mean, how else would they have gotten to from Fredericktown to yeah. over to Illinois? It, it, it just had to. You know, there's no connection point, so they had to go through here. You know, um, other historic sites right across the street from here is the old Lutesville Depot. Something you see as you drive through town is you'll see Marble Hill and Lutesville. This was the town uh, Twin Cities at one time. We've also changed our name a few times, not recently, several times. We were known as California, Dow New California, and Dallas. And then we became Marble Hill so that we wouldn't be confused with uh, Dallas County. And then Lutesville was established to help get the railroad here, which ran through. And that's why there's a depot down there in the train car. That's where the railroad kind of depot was, and it ran through here. Um, and then we have the courthouse, which is a very historic site as well. Um, right across from the courthouse is Weisscarver Building, which was a store. It's not open, but the windows to this day are still decorated. Pretty much every month they change out the decorations from Christmas to spring. It's really, it's just to see at night is really gorgeous. There's a stepping stone there that people, uh, the ladies used to use to step into the horse-drawn carriages, and that stone is still there. And then we have a memorial across from the Weisscarver at the courthouse. They have a uh, veterans memorial or maybe a fallen soldier. I might be wrong on that one. And then there's a mineral well there too. Mm -hmm. So that whole area up there is pretty much historic and it's a great walk, during the, especially during the fall when the leaves start to change and you can see them around the courthouse. It's also very uh, pretty to walk through not only uptown around the courthouse, but a lot of places in Marble Hill through the um, through the spring because of I guess we've just got the perfect soil conditions for uh, redbud trees mm -hmm. and so from most of the month of April we're kind of out of it now here the and dogwood just definitely it's just an explosion of color mm -hmm. it is, is really wonderful I kind of got off the topic of historic a little bit but more of a new historic site that we kind of started to landmark last year was called the lanes. It's kind of where the road goes through the middle of town and there's parking spots on the side of it. And as I grew up as a kid, all the teenagers would park there and it become known as the lanes. And so last year we kind of started marketing that area as a the lanes and it's a good place to hang out. We throw street parties there once in a while and it's got some great shopping venues in there and a few historic buildings and a park. <laughs> yes, and Crooked Creek goes right through the middle of it. We also have kind of, from a city standpoint, um, in the past, I don't know, probably 10 years, it, the 
teenagers have been, been they've been kind of quote unquote kicked out of the lanes. Mm -hmm. um, this last year we started trying to get them to hang out there mm -hmm. because if they're hanging out there, we know where they're at. We yeah, can, you know, we can keep an eye on them. But something a little bit funny happened when we did that. Not only did the teenagers start hanging out there again. So did the grandparents. So did <laughs> the <laughs> teenagers of yesteryear. That <laughs> Teenagers at heart. <laughs> yes, the teenagers at heart. Very good. It was good. really fun to watch, too. They would bring their cornhole boards down and their lawn chairs, and they would set up, and they would sit there until curfew. And it was just great to watch the kids out there. People would stop by with sodas, cases of sodas, and drop off cases of sodas. I was going to say they would kind of block traffic, but it was well. Fun. <laughs> they they would not cast lots, but they would kind of they would take turns buying sodas at the grocery store and ice them down. And so, you know, I mean, that's that's there's a lot worse ways they could be spending their time. And the fun thing is, all what businesses are there are all closed by evening, anyways. And if they're not, they're gaining business. Like Jay said, it was actually they, uh, they got business from it because the kids would go pick up food and take it back to the lanes and sit in the lanes and wave and honk at their friends. <laughs> There's also uh, an urban legend, maybe true, maybe not, that half the kids in Marble Hill were conceived in the lanes. <laughs> so maybe we've got these grandparents that that's where they were conceived. A little nostalgia? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we used to drive a loop, so you would sit in the lanes and you would drive the loop. And I don't know what we were thinking, but our loop consisted of driving past the sheriff's office. Yeah. And why would you drive past the sheriff's office? <laughs> so you could find out where they are. <laughs> drive past the sheriff's office on one end of the loop and past the city police on the other end. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit, and I want to learn um, kind of as we get into some, some more questions uh, about the town and how it's changed over the years and what you guys see today when you look at Marble Hill. I want to know um, how long each of you have been a resident of Marble Hill. Um, and then also tell us, you know, if you're if you're not from here, what brought you here and has kept you here? Um, and if you've been here your whole life, why did you stay? So Sharon, let's start with you. Okay, um, I moved to, to this area in 1979. I lived in St. Louis prior to that, but I'm originally Canadian. I emigrated to the United States. And um, so I uh, was into horses at that time, and I was looking for property. Well, I got further and further away from St. Louis prices and found a, the perfect spot down here in Bollinger County. And so I became uh, a Bollinger County resident in 1979 with my horse ranch, and I trained and showed horses for years from that location. Had world champion horses right here in Marble Hill. Wow, mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I stayed. <laughs> well, I have been a resident here the shortest amount of time out of anybody in this room. I've lived here for five years. Um, whenever Becky and I got married, uh, she said, you're moving out here or we're not getting married. So I figured I'd better move out here. Uh, I will say that um, one of the things that made it easiest to move out here was that for instance, the house that we bought about eight months after we, no, it was about six months after we got married. Um, that same house in Jackson where I lived before would probably be thirty to $40,000 higher. A person can come out here and still afford, you know, to drive to a job, to have a higher paying job, and then you don't have some of the you have a, a, a more affordable uh, cost of living. You don't have a lot of the same problems that they do in larger towns. Um, we have four full-time police officers. We have uh, a couple more guys that work part-time for us. I mean, we, we're not running, you know, I'm, we're not, as the mayor, I'm not spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month on a police force. You know, we don't we don't have taxes like they have in other places because we don't have to have the overhead that some of these other towns have. And that's really attractive to me that I can come and live somewhere and I don't have to feel like I'm got the 
weight of the whole government on my shoulders. I was uh, born in Cape Girardeau, but I've lived here all my life, except for the times I was gone on other missions, I guess you should say. But um, I was brought up in that little house next to Jers, still there. And uh, can we get a plaque there, uh, Mr. Mayor? Probably get some kind of a monument, a historical marker. Uh, I've got a couple of relatives here, used to, I, I had a whole bunch. and. And that's, I loved it because I loved all my aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins. And uh, I, I think I got one cousin here now. And So family kept you here? Yeah, it's gone now. But uh, I still, you know, I, I love seeing these people that, I can remember when a lot of people I know were little kids and troublemakers. But I have the funniest stories sometimes, and some of them I can't tell, some I can tell, but uh, it's just, it was like at one time up until maybe the 80s or even mid-70s, uh, the jail was just run very loosely, you know. Uh, John Doe gets arrested, he goes to the jail and they say, go back there to your cell and don't bother us. And then they would have, everybody that gets put in jail has dental trouble. So they go, I want to see the dentist. And they say, there's the front door, come back by four, you know. <laughs> and so we never, we never paid for any of that, you know. You want to walk down there across the creek to the dentist? Have at it. Back then, the dentist used to be, I guess, two, three doors down, or no, next block, two blocks down, I guess. Have you seen a lot of changes in, in the stores and the businesses, though, in the area? We used to have a, you know, the hat factory down there, and it's closed now, but there's a lot of new things coming into town. So it's just always, I guess, it's like any area. It's a, there's always some change, and waves go one way, and waves go the other, but. I uh, grew up five miles, was five to seven miles north of Marble Hill. I am a 2000 graduate of Woodland High School, so I graduated here. I moved um, to Jackson in 2002. I lived in Jackson from 2002 to 2012, and then I moved back in 2013. Um, I had the opportunity to move back to Jackson in 2016 when we got married, but um, we started partially because of the cost of living, partially because of the school. The school system that our kid is in, kids are in is really good. Um, they have some really good programs for our kids. Um, and then it's, it's community. Um, I used to laugh and say I had a whole clue, um, a whole group of village idiots that hung around my kitchen table. Um, and I did. I, on Wednesday nights, um, we would have a group of about 15 teenagers that would come to our house for dinner and then walk to Bible study at the end of the street. And um, it just became its community. Um, our kids are rooted here, um, we're rooted here, and, and it just keeps us here, and we like it here. But you know that what you touched on about community is so important, and, and I see that all the time. I wasn't raised here, you know, like, like your husband, Trey and I are both outsiders, so to speak, but I see a tremendous sense of community around here. They're always having, um, you know, uh, benefit rides or benefit dinners for if someone's sick and they have hospital bills or their children are sick, the whole community pitches in. And and I don't know how many places are like that anymore, but by golly, this place sure is. Yeah. Almost every weekend there's something, and they raise thousands of dollars. It's not just a get-together to run up and down the road. These people are sincere about helping, and that has touched me a lot. I think that's just... I don't think you can go anywhere and have that kind of sense of community like we do here. When I first moved back, <laughs> I used to run. <laughs> I used to run. <laughs> I, I would run through town, and the first time I went running through town, a guy on a tractor stopped and asked me what was wrong. They thought I was broke down. <laughs> I was like, this is exercise, guys, because <laughs> I was used to it when I had lived over in Jackson. and. Uh, now, when I walk now, 
it's nothing for probably 10 or 15 people to honk and wave at me. I mean, yeah. and the first few times they started honking at me, it would scare me to death. I would almost jump. But like today we were out working in the park and I heard so many people drive by and honk and they knew who we were. Well, and speaking of working in the park, I hope you had a good turnout, but the last time uh, I came through town, they were work the kids were out working, cleaning up and doing that. And I pulled in and parked, and I thanked them all. And they were all, oh, yeah, this is great. We're just having a big time. Everybody pitches in, and you ask for them all to come out and help clean up. They're all right there cleaning up. That I think was, it's amazing. That was the brainchild of our, our high school principal at Woodland. That's the quality of our school. Yeah. Our school yeah. has a program. Um, the principal found, started it, launched it. And um, they bring the kids out of school uh, a half a day once in a while, and they work with community leaders. They're usually assigned to a spot, and one of those community leaders try to be down there, and they have teachers with them, and they work. They built a nature trail. They built a Bev's garden down there that's in an hour and a half. patches. It's, they're just doing work, and it has made a big difference in our community as far as beautifying it, plus it's made a big difference in the bond between the school and the town. Well, I imagine too, you know, getting getting kids involved, like we saw this morning at the the, the community cleanup event at the park, and and bringing in the high school kids to to pitch in. You know, even though you're making it kind of mandatory, you're you're doing it for a reason. It's you're, you're teaching them how to feel proud of their community because they're getting their hands dirty and they're investing their own, you know, they're sinking sweat their equity. Roots. Yeah, they're sinking their roots right. into the community. Right, and then it's something that they feel they can be proud of later and you're instilling that mm -hmm. sense of pride in your community from a young age and, and something I think, you know, as we've interviewed several people as we've been here today, as we've been around town, something that we we heard over and over again is how, you know, proud people are to live here. So it seems like that's a very common theme among residents here is that this there's a sense of be, pride. Marble Hill used to be the butt of a lot of jokes. Not anymore. You know, when I told you I sold real estate, and I sold real estate in this area for a long, long time, and what you touched on, <clears throat> Trey, about the, the property values out here and, the, and everything else, that was the, one of the biggest things that you could count on. We, we're a bedroom community to Cape County. A um, lot of our people in Bollinger County work in either Perry County or a lot of them in Cape County. Seventy percent. Mm -hmm. And Before so pandemic, you can step out here 15 miles from Jackson or 20 miles from Cape and find a home, like you said, that with values that have changed today, probably 75 percent of, of the price of what they are in, in Cape or less. And the taxes are less, so much less. We pay, we pay less in property taxes here than what I paid on two trucks in Cape Girardeau yeah, County. Yeah, and one of them was not anything, I wasn't no, it wasn't a special truck. I mean, and that, that's a, a real particular draw you when people about, come. You talked about the pride and getting the kids bonded. The very first project we ever did with the Woodland students, um, we, I had this vision of building an arch that went all the way across our walk bridge in the park, which was 100 foot long. And I thought we'd build it out of PVC pipe. And I brought them Pinterest plans and pipe, and they built it. And they thought we were crazy. And then they we built it. We got the lights on it. And I bet I saw a 1,000 pictures that Christmas mm -hmm. of all them posing under that arch. Mm -hmm. People drove for miles just mm -hmm. to see this crazy arch that was 20 by 100 <laughs> lighted arch. And they yeah. still do. We put, we put it back up this year, and we still had people, second year, second year, second year. people drive from all over just to see this crazy arch that we had to explain to MoDOT and all these other people that we're going to build, and it's yeah, that was stopped. a fun permit to uh, apply for. <laughs> My wife the guy goes, a project. The, the, the engineer <laughs> goes, you're going to build what? Is there a permit for that? <laughs> oh, there's a permit for everything with MoDOT, thankfully, because it keeps a lot of stuff off the right-of-ways that we don't need, but... Um, I think we even sent him a picture when it was done. It was uh, like, this is what we were talking about. <laughs> Well, so Trey, I want to circle back to, because I think it's really interesting, Trey, that you have only lived here for five years, and you're the mayor, Yes. you know, so so clearly you felt something when you moved here that made you want to not just get involved, not just volunteer for a community cleanup, but you wanted to become an alderman, and then that obviously led you to become the mayor. So what is it about your five years here that... Um, affected your perspective of this community so much that you felt the need to 
to try your hardest to lead this community, to be the leader of this community. And then I kind of want to follow up with the rest of you of how, how your perspective and how things have, you know, how you've seen your community shift or change or your own perspective shift and change over the years. But, but Trey, let's start with, with your story. So when I first moved out here to Marble Hill, Becky had just been elected as the president of the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, I, at first, I was like, I'm not going to those meetings. I don't know any of those people. And I started to realize, you know what? You need friends here because you can't, I can't just drive 30 minutes just to go and hang out with somebody, you know, just to have friends. So I was like, well, we'll go and see. And then through that experience of going to the chamber meetings and, you know, contributing to ideas and events and things like that, I really saw that this town has a huge amount of untapped potential. Um, there's a lot of things that, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not going to sit there and try to take credit for every little thing that, you know, has gone well here because, frankly, it's not mine to take credit for. But The thing I guess that motivated me most was I can help these people have a better life. And it's not that I'm just anything, I know uh, according to my, my college transcript, I was a C student. I'm nothing special. It's, you know, the work that, it's almost like a mission field, you know? And um, I, I just want to help people. I want people to, I want to do anything I can do to help people have a better life here. And, you know, it's not realistic to bring in a huge industry because we have a lot of, a lot of things stacked against us here. But at least I want to make a place where you turn the water faucet on, the water comes on, it's clean, you can drink it. You know, you're not, we're not constantly having to, you know, my my goal is to have it to where, you know, because right now we have a lot of problems that we're trying to, as far as infrastructure, that we're trying to kind of work through. And my background's in construction, and, you know, I have a lot, I feel like there's a lot of things that I can help in that nature to move forward and make it to where, you know, people's not saying, this is just a terrible place, I want to get out of here as fast as I can. I really don't know how it really circled around that I become the chamber president, but I did. And um, I used to be, I used to be still kind of am, a travel journalist on the side, photographer. And um, when they kind of approached me about being interested in the chamber, I saw the potential of marketing our community as a tourist attraction. I mean, it, it has, like you said, a ton of untapped potential a lot of beautiful things and I knew that my skills and I knew that my connections throughout the state would be beneficial to it. Um, it took five years to get where we are and we published our first magazine and got it in the mail yesterday. So I mean, it That took, must have felt really good. <laughs> it took five years to get some of this. Um, it's taken five years to grow the connections in our community, connect the dots and get everybody, you know, shifting around. Um, I, 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 the reason I serve, though, isn't just because of me, though. It's the people. These are my people. This is where I grew up. This is where I'm raising my kids. This is where my kids' grandparents are from. This is where my grandparents are from. So it's the people. Um, I like the fact that I, my neighbors, are. I know them and I can wave at them, and, but I like to be able to help them. And even through my skills, even though I'm not infrastructure or building a business or doing something like that, Every dollar I bring to the community is a dollar that goes back into our community. That's why I do it. Well, <clears throat> I think the, I don't know how much I offer to the community, but I feel like I, I try to be involved with a lot of things. I, my health hasn't been the greatest in the last year and a half or so, but um, I've been on, uh, used to be on the chamber at, at one time, Optimist, uh, all, all of the social um, benefit clubs. And because I feel that bringing, like, like Becky has so much enthusiasm. And I think 
enthusiasm is what makes other people in the community excited about the community. And I, I like to do that too. I'm a writer. I set my stories. I set my, my characters in Marble Hill and Bullinger County because we're unique. It, we're different. It, it's not New York. People don't, people are interested in reading about small towns. And so um, I, I write about, uh, about our community when I'm telling my stories because I want more people to be interested in it. I paint, I paint what I see, which is my community. And I paint a lot of landscapes and a lot of buildings, old buildings and uh, farms and you know barns and so forth. And, and it's in the area because there is so much beauty in the area. But I, I think I can, I like to, to bring enthusiasm to other people. Now we're older now, we're retired. But as I had my business here for many, many years, I met a lot of people that I was just sold on Marble Hill and Bullinger County. And well, why do you like it? I've been here for 30 some odd years because it's, it's, uh, it's a great place to be. And so I try to do what I can do uh, in volunteering. I volunteer with the church. I volunteer with different service communities. I was on the Extension Council for a long time. Becky has taken my place as chair on the Extension <laughs> Council because my term was up. <laughs> so we share that, don't we, Becky? Uh, because I feel that all of that reaches out to the community and offers services that a lot of people are not aware of. And, and I want to do my part to help with that, too. You know, being a lifelong resident of, of Marble Hill, how have you? How has your um, perspective changed? Especially since you're you're a, a more actively involved member in in some some you know organizations or the museum, for example. How has being an involved member of this community helped? I guess morph your perspective of your community. I like to think that we're preserving history around here, and it's so important. You have to have oral history, you have to have, <clears throat> as you were talking about, community. That's so important now. It's always important, but it's really important now because we've got to have a community. That's one of the biggest, strongest things that there is about Marble Hill is in an age like today where we have gone through so much divisiveness in the whole country you really don't see that around here. People, they're, they're, they're just not gonna do that. They're just not gonna do that. They're gonna be friends and neighbors and family first. I have had people come and visit once or twice and say, I felt like you were my best friend when we left here. Mm -hmm. Or I felt like so-and-so is my best friend. I've had people visit once or twice and decide to move here mm -hmm. um, because of the home atmosphere. It's, it's like one of those towns that Mayberry, I mean, not truly like Mayberry, but like Mayberry. It's, nobody's a stranger. We wave at everybody, you know. We try to pick them up on a tractor when they're out running, you know. <laughs> you know? Well, we, we ask the mayor where the bread's at in the grocery store. I mean, literally. Literally, I mean, where, but where else can you go that you can walk up to the mayor and say pretty well whatever you want to. And that is something that we work really hard to. We love that the kids, um, little bitty kids, uh, four and five-year-olds will go, that's the mayor. I know the mayor. You know, mayor. And we love that because we're not only teaching them, like, okay, it's okay to approach the mayor or the police or whoever. We're also teaching them that one day you may become the mayor. Uh, or you could even become the president if you really try at it, you know, and go that route. So we're really teaching like leadership starts at home. So something that um, we heard a lot today was, and, and, and as we've been sitting here, um, is how things, especially over the last few years, have, have started to kind of change for Marble Hill. We've heard about new businesses that are opening, mm -hmm. how there's just been kind of a shift in attitude. Um, so. With that in mind, what is it that you think, you know, this, this seems to be the time to take a chance and to make change in Marble Hill. You, you're, you, people are feeling more comfortable with change. Um, you know, they're taking that, that risk. Mm -hmm. What is it that you guys feel your community needs the most in order to continue this growth and continue this positive change in the right direction? Um, 
kind of a wish list for the town? And, and how do you feel that individual members of the community, not just the aldermen, not just the people that are on boards or involved in the chamber, but ordinary people in this community, um, how can they help make that happen? I'd like to see more building in the community. We've had two buildings built in the last, what, 10 years? One that we did and one that Stuart uh, Basing. Two buildings in, what, 10 years? I mean, there's been some renovations and stuff like that, but as well, far as that new helps. construction, that you're helps. Right, you hit the nail. You've hit that nail on the head. Um, one thing that business owners have talked with us about is infrastructure. Um, one of our our main businesses in town is the steel chainsaw distributor, and he has made the comment before that. You know, it's, it can cost him up to double on freight because these, you know, 53-foot tractor trailers have to come out our crooked, windy highways getting to get here. <coughs> once they're, you know, once they get here, they go right up to his dock just like it's a, you know, big city. But as soon as they leave his dock, it's, I mean, I don't know, I can't tell you how many times the stop sign at the four-way's been knocked over by a tractor trailer. And, you know, God love the MoDOT guys for getting up. They're real good at putting it back up now. The other thing that we really, really lack here is high-speed internet. I mean, we've, we do have a few uh, larger businesses and public offices that are served by high-speed fiber. But as, if I go to my house, I turn my Wi-Fi off if I'm if I'm I just do everything on cellular because my wi you know our our connection is so slow, and with the pandemic and everybody you know they they attempted school from home virtual school and it was a big flop because I mean you can't you know the, they did all right with the stuff information coming out of the school. But when they were trying to talk to, you know, get the students to talk back to the teachers, it was just, uh, 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 you know, broken up and garbled. And so that is honestly one of the biggest hurdles for jobs coming to Marble Hill is what can you do without a solid high-speed internet connection. Well, and there is a, a group working that is a spin-off originally from Extension that is a broadband initiative group, and they're they're working, making a lot of progress on getting and, broadband. And I, I sit on that committee and... Yeah. The biggest hang-up right now, though, with that is, is the grant's been awarded. We, our area was selected. Um, it is coming, but it's 10 years. I mean, it is a 10-year project. So a lot of those things are, we're 10 years behind everybody else as far as that. And there's things that, those things are not things that are quick attained. We can't attain those things quickly. But there are things in the community that we can change quickly. Mm -hmm. um, we need better signage. We need signage that points out to where, where's Uptown Marble Hill? What are you talking about? What are you talking about the lanes, you know? You don't know what the lanes are. It's not painted. Um, we need a restaurant that stays open till 10 o'clock at night. Um, we need a hip restaurant. Um, we need restaurants that cater to younger families. And I'm not talking about families with young children. I'm talking about date night. You got to go to date night. I went to Farmington last night for date night. You know, uh, we don't have that. Of course, we, we try to avoid, you know, <laughs> sometimes we do have a private conversation. So, some, sometimes uh, it's too familiar here, you know. I, I have a dream of having a splash park. Um, it would be amazing for moms to have a splash park to take their kids to. Um, I would love to see a gazebo in Pellegrino Park. Uh, lighting, I mean, I went, I go to Jackson Cave, I see those beautiful pole lights with the beautiful banners hanging from the sides. That's my dream, to put our heroes on the sides of our banners. I would love to have the street lined with veterans and military, you know, and firefighters. Um, a huge thing is we need more volunteers, and that sounds really crazy. We had Park Cleanup Day. We had a great turnout for Park Cleanup Day. We have rooms full of meetings. 
but we need people that will step up and take leadership over projects and then have volunteers underneath of them. I, we can't do this forever. I need somebody that I can mentor to take over. I mean, I followed Sharon. I'm not that young, <laughs> you know. One of the biggest pieces of advice that somebody gave me when I won my election to be mayor was that you need to find your replacement. Because I think, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I think that's a lot of reason why this town got so stale. It did. Is it was the same people doing the same thing. And they had a great heart. They have care. Yeah. They're all great people. Now that's but there was a to... gap in the generation. I remember when I moved away in 2002, our streets were full of businesses. We had Mary Wallace's store was still open. We had businesses. There was still the pharmacy. These businesses were all still on the street. I moved back in 2013. It looked like we rolled the streets up and just moved the town out of town. And um, I remember running through town crying, thinking Mary Wallace's store was where I bought the dress for my grandma's funeral. You know, it was just like, it's not there, you know. And um, so we, we need to grow our leadership to follow in behind so that we don't fall into that path in 10 years. I'm, like I said, I'm not that young because eventually I'm going to get tired and, or my ideas are going to get old. <laughs> it's about being proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be the stale ones, you know, we at know, some point. We know, we're headed that way. <laughs> so I think this, this kind of brings in this um, topic, which I think is, a, is such an important topic when we're in rural communities, smaller communities, which is keeping the younger generations, keeping younger people engaged. Um, so, so some major topics that tend to come up when we're, you know, on this, this subject is, um, do kids come back or stay? Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you've got kids that, you know, leave and join the military, we've heard several examples of people who graduate high school and join the military, mm -hmm. but then come back. Um, or, or if they go off to college, do they go off to college and then know they want to come back? Or do you see a trend of, of, of the younger generation leaving and not coming back? I'm going to I'm going to start with that because uh, I I have seen many generations through here through the the graduates and so forth, and I'm seeing a lot of them coming back in the professional capacity. Our our dentist, uh, Dr. Basing, she's local. Our judge. Our judge our, was our, local. And our new judge and our is. new judge is local. I had him in eighth grade. Our sheriff, which is our youngest sheriff. <laughs> yes, he's local. And I'm, see, I'm seeing it now where maybe, you know, uh, a few go away and go to the cities, but I see them coming back in their professional capacity. They go away to either military or college or whatever, but I do see a lot of them coming back. And a majority of my friends that have moved away have said, I want to come home. I'm ready to come home. I just got to get the right job that I can work from home or I've got to get a job down there. I want to come back. It is the trend now. A lot of people want to go to college. Mm -hmm. or they go away for a few years and then they move back because it's such a great place to raise your kids. And it, it's the, that's what we're mostly seeing is they may have one kid by the time they come back, but they're coming back to be work here, be here, be in the community. So do you think that um, there's something that's keeping them from coming back right away? Because you, you guys both kind of said that, you know, they might go away for a few years and then come back because they realize this is where they want to raise their family. You know, they see it as a family place. Um, but, you know, is there anything that you think is, is keeping people from being able to right away settle back down in Marble Hill? Is, is it jobs? Is it housing? Um, is it not enough to do? Or, um, or, you know, what are there things that the town is doing to try and keep the youth here, keep the next generation here? Um, what kinds of things do you see? So right now it might be housing. <laughs> what are we say, down on? I, honestly, How you could, could, you could answer do? that question with a yes, yeah. kind of all, almost all of the above. Housing became a new thing. Um, at one time over the last year, there was only nine houses for sale in the whole county. That was all that was left. Uh, we had such an influx of population moving into houses were selling as there, fast as they could list them. There, well, and to build on that, one of the uh, local uh, property investors uh, bought some property just up from your old office 
and um, they took the trailers that were on it, took them out, mm -hmm. built small basic houses on them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't were those a three bedroom, one bath, or whatever. I don't remember what they were, but just a basic house, nothing, just mm -hmm. nothing extravagant. And I think they had over a hundred. They had over a hundred applications for one house. For one house to be open, so it is a waiting list. All of our landlords say that. So housing, <coughs> yes, jobs. Prior to the pandemic, so the pandemic did us a lot of favors. Um, a lot of people did go home. It is harder to get internet here. You can make it work. I do. Um, but jobs was a thing. But working from home, I no longer commute it, most days uh, to work. So that's a big benefit to live here. I don't have to commute. So that's a good thing. Um, things to do, um, not as much of a problem anymore. People are catching that. Um, things that we're doing to bring them back. We have a lot of businesses opening. Last year we opened 10 in the middle of a pandemic. That was unreal. We have three or four getting ready to open up this year. Um, but we're also adding in, um, well, we have ATV rides. That's a big thing people really like. You mentioned Ms. Benefit Rides. Mm -hmm. Recently our city passed ordinance that they can ride their UTVs and ATVs on the city streets. Mm -hmm. That, that's a bonus for families and for elderly and uh, retired people. They think that's great. Um, we're building a beach at Crooked Creek. It sounds crazy. It's a creek, but we're going to have a beach. Mm -hmm. uh, we're planting zinnias and sunflower patch. People drive 200 miles to take pictures in sunflowers. Mm -hmm. So we're going to bring it here, you know. Mm -hmm. um, last year we invested. We have not been able to do it yet, but we had um, a donation and we invested in a uh, big screen so that we could have movies in the park, free movies in the park. Um, so we're doing things like that. Um, we have carnivals coming. We have street parties and things, and that's all catered to our younger generation or families, and that's bringing them back home. To it's it's setting an example. So while they're young, they see all the great things that their community has, so that when they grow up, they can see and, and the potential. Away, and when they go away, they miss it. Exactly. Well, and you that's know. what we're seeing too with the people moving back here too, is um, the families move back. We hosted, he hosted, I helped a lot with it, the first mayor's Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and I, I remember standing out there in the park going, I hope 10 kids show up. I think we had 150 yeah. kids show up for the mayor's. It was huge. It was huge. It was huge. And I had people comment, oh, I wish I still lived at home, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the big attraction is we're bringing in things that cater to younger families, but still cater to our older generations too. And, you know, we talked uh, privately earlier before the podcast, we talked about the Christmas in the park. And I have to say that, that the chamber with Becky leading it and the mayor, they, they went above and beyond to start that mm -hmm. two years ago. It's awesome. I'm, you know, just as a citizen driving around looking at it, I'm so impressed with it. We started with 30 spots. <laughs> we had 65, and Trey <laughs> and our associate commissioner, Chad Holby, built, I don't know how tall that tree was, 65. Tall enough. <laughs> no, it wasn't 65. It was tall enough. It took a lot of lights, and it was huge, and it lit up the whole town <laughs> where and, they turned the tree. And like, you know, yeah, I was one of them that did it. Our associate commissioner, Chad Holby, was one, but we also had support from one of the business, uh, uh, one of the businesses in town, a construction yes. company, West Becker Construction. Mm -hmm. They allowed us to use one of their pieces of heavy equipment to, you know, string the lights up and down, up yeah. and down, up and down. The ironic part is we didn't pay for it because no. actually we put out said, hey, we want to do this. We want to build this tree. We build a park for people to see. And somebody that does not live here, grew up here, has moved away, emailed me privately, and he said, I, don't, I want my name left out of this, but I'm going to send you the money to pay for that. And they did. Yeah. And we paid for that tree out of a donation, which was huge. Our community mm -hmm. and people that were formerly from the community both have really, they are what has enabled a lot of these mm -hmm. projects. You know, a lot of these, yeah, the changes, exactly. The changes, You're and right. the changes that have attracted business. So it seems so silly to say Christmas lights attract a business, but it does. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we have an active community does. And I can't even think of a project 
that we truly had to fund because every time we've put out a call and they've said, here's the money, you know, just, and it's been multiple community members say, here's the money, let me just send it, or I'm dropping the check off. Last year for uh, Independence Day, we had our own, our well, the first time we'd done it in a couple of years, fireworks displayed. And in the past, the city had raised, you know, two to three, $3,500 $3, or so, and they had gotten smaller fireworks. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go that way. Plus I want to professional. have a professional show. I don't want to be worried about insurance, liability, you know. So I got a hold of the company. He said it cost $5,000. I was like, oh, my gosh. How are I? You know what? Let's just do it. We'll figure out where to get the money from. If we have to, we'll figure it out. And that, that was literally, and this was before I was mayor or anything. I, I talked the rest of the board into it. We voted on it. They said, let's do it. And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, really like, oh, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? Um, I, I mean, I look like the Kevin McAllister from the Home Alone. It's just like, <laughs> ah. But when we started to really promote it, that, you know, hey, we're going to have this. It's going to be outside. If you need to stay apart from each other, you'll have the room to stay apart from each other. But let's enjoy celebrating our nation's founding mm -hmm. and we raised what we needed we we raised i was able to put an extra thousand dollars into the show and we were able to put a water park which was called a mini sprinkle park <laughs> we had sprayers out there spray little water hoses and we had that out there for kids to play with and we were able to give away ice cream that night and we had a sound system it was fantastic I mean, and, the, and there was probably 4,000 people that came to, to our 1,400 population town. For fireworks. For a fireworks show. You know, we touched on this just earlier when, in a question that you had asked us about um, what have we seen changing in the, in the, in the county, in, I mean, in the city. And again, we've been here, you know, a while. <clears throat> but there was a period in there that he who shall remain nameless bought up all the businesses and the buildings in town. And the town just, basically people sold their business kind of buildings to, to a halt them, almost. And that, that caused the town to grind to a halt. There was no progress. Those buildings stayed empty for a number of years and no one really A lot of those buildings knows. are empty to this day. Yes, they're empty to this day. And, and the reason he did this, I've heard different things said and that's not important what's important is there they sat and and progress just stopped in Marble Hill uh, and I'm I'm really happy to see and hear first of all Becky was a shot in the arm when she got on on uh, the chamber because it was like we're not gonna let this stop us and so in spite of that and in spite of the attitude of well Marble Hill isn't worth anything look at all those empty buildings she has taken the chamber and gotten people together to come together, and that's the sign of the community again, mm -hmm. that they're responding to this. They want to have a nice community, but, but I, I have seen that big, huge change. It's huge because there was nothing, and now there's something being built all the time. It's building, it's building, and it's, you know, it's just going up and up and up, and I think it's marvelous. Before, I, I, I am just so impressed with it. Before Becky and I, I met, there was four reasons you would come to Marble Hill, maybe. To go to the campgrounds. Well, I did, that wouldn't even <laughs> my on my radar. There was the barbecue restaurant. There was the family restaurant. Uh, I came out here for when I had my concealed carry test because that's fall festival. Well, the fall festival, yeah. I mean, and then there's the, the hardware store that's... Yeah, the know, oldest store in Marvel. Yeah, that's, you know, semi-famous. Right. You know, that, that's why people came to Marvel Hill. Now? We have two coffee shops opening up. We have... The hotel's opening the back hotel up. The hotel is opening back up, which is going to be huge. That is going to be... Uh, that The hotel itself is going to be a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the coffee shops are going to be right behind that. I mean, I, I have confidence they're going to bring in. The rug shop, people drive from 
Jackson, Illinois, mm -hmm. Kentucky, Dexter, to see the rug shop because they weave on site. And it, it's just amazing. Now, the hardware store is still a tourist attraction. If you did go to the hardware store. The other thing I forgot to mention was the Ford dealership. Yes, the Ford People dealership. come from all around to buy from them. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, now, just like we were saying, I mean, there's just all kinds of things you can do in town. It's not just going to eat. It's not just buying a car. And it's not just going to the, to the hardware store to, you know, to look at guns. Our parks, people are coming just for our parks now because they see the bunting on the street, which is silly, but I mean, they see it. They're like, oh my goodness, look at the bunting. Who did that? You know? I can't I can't tell you how many people came out that I work with in, in Cape Girardeau to see the, the Christmas lights of all things. Or they come a lot now, a big thing. And this has been happening for years and years. I don't even remember what year they started in. Uh, the Bullinger County... Uh, Memorial Park puts up a flag for every veteran or whatever. They adopt the spots, and people drive all the way out to see those flags because it's absolutely beautiful. And so off of that, they do their flags four times a year. We also do them in town. So something that I think uh, small communities, it's kind of a, a delicate balance, is um, having things that keep your own community members engaged, but also things that are attractive to mm -hmm. tourists and keep them engaged while they're here. Um, so I think, you know, you talked a lot about, you know, all of the steps you guys have taken to, to keep the youth engaged and to keep people here in Marble Hill. Um, but talk a little bit about what it is that attracts outsiders to Marble Hill. Um, what is what are you what are your proud tourist attractions? You know, how, you know when people are coming to visit for the weekend, what are they often doing? Farmers market. Mm -hmm. It is. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. I used to go to the farmers market just to buy okra from Mr. Rugley. <laughs> that was it. Um, but the farmers market that's definitely a huge attraction. Um, we have. The museum is something that people come for the weekend and see. Um, once a month we have a street market now. We started that this year and it's been a big hit. Um, once a year we have a citywide yard sale that brings people from everywhere. Um, Massey Log Cabin, people, or Massey Log House, they still come to see that. Um, they come to Jay's Barbecue. Mm -hmm. I, I have yet to sit in that restaurant and not see somebody from a different town and talk to them. Um, they come to Jair's. Jair's has the best coffee in the morning. Now, we get coffee shops, it's gonna might change, but we, they come to Jair's for his coffee and his pie. The Bullier County Fall Festival brings a huge crowd. Um, a lot of times that's people that's lived here and moved off, but it does bring a big crowd. Um, our Independence Day celebration, that brings in a lot of people from the campgrounds. The campgrounds are a huge attraction that people just come into town to visit after that. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest things, you know, from all of our, our, you know, adventures in the community today, I think, you know, when we're asking our interviewees, you know, what can people be seen doing when they're visiting? I mean, everybody said outdoor stuff, you know, whether it's hunting or, you know, water recreation, kayaking, fishing, and camping. Um, so, I mean, to have those kind of those natural areas, um, and then you have the great, you know, the restaurants and the shops that, you know, they make maybe come for one thing, like camping or mm -hmm. um, hiking, but you've got these great additions to the town that keep mm -hmm. them there and maybe make them want to stay a little bit longer or spend a little bit more money. And, and the campgrounds are really good for Marble Hill as far as that goes because the, all, they all drive through on the way <clears throat> to the campgrounds. And, of course, they buy gas and food and, you know, that type of thing. And then they all come back to the laundromat. <laughs> And the laundromat has become like a stop. And now we put an arcade in with it. So we have an arcade in the laundromat. And people, I will see people pull their campers in front of the, the area and then they will be in the laundry. <laughs> and then they'll walk to the park and it's, it's kind yeah, of fun. And having the park right there is, is neat too. And the creek is right there, a big creek, you know, and they can walk the walk bridge over the creek if they want to go, you know, into we oh, see a lot gone. of photographers too. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of people that come through to take pictures, uh, and that that's a big thing. You'll see people walking through town with their cameras. Well, it sounds like you know, with with 
all the businesses which amazingly have opened and stayed open, you know, over the last year, couple of years, and mm -hmm. all the potential of, you know, you mentioned the new hotel that's opening, that's a historic building that is being renovated, and, you know, that, that there's going to be so much more for people to see in the years to come. And, and stay here and enjoy this. Mm -hmm. So with our last kind of few minutes, um, give us your elevator speech. So you have one minute to entice somebody to visit your town. And if you don't all want to, you don't have to, but you, so one minute, what do you say? I'll start with you, Becky. Welcome home. It'll be the place that you feel like you meet your grandma and your best friends, and you'll leave feeling like we're still your best friends. Okay, this is the place to take your kayak and go down a clear stream and you can camp on the side of the, of the creek or the river, and that's all there is. Well, there's lots of really good food to be eaten in Marble Hill. There's two superb restaurants, and uh, then afterwards you want to walk that off, so you walk up the hill to Marble Hill into town and, and see all the beautiful old buildings, the Weiss Carver store, the Massey House, and all of the historical locations that are up there. And then you can co walk back down, get in your car. So <laughs> you've walked off that nice pie that you've just seen. Because <laughs> they have the best pie around. Marble Hill is a place that you may show up as an outsider, but if you treat the people right, you'll be accepted and, and it'll be home. Well, I wanna thank you all so much for giving us your insights into this wonderful community. We've so enjoyed spending time here and, and getting to know it and getting to know each of you. Um, so I wanna say thank you. I wanna say, you know, I hope that this inspires people to come visit your town. Um, it's inspired me to come back. I want to see that hotel and that mercantile. I want to see the coffee shop, all these great places that you guys are talking about. So, so thank you so much. Small Town Showcase is a production of Missouri Humanities. Special thanks to our production team, Michael Saldivar and Grant Courier, and thank you to our members and supporters for making this initiative possible. To learn more about us, visit mohumanities.org or follow us on social media at mohumanities. I'm Caitlin Yeager, Director of Heritage Programs, Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again soon with more of the Show Me State.